0: One,
1: two, one, two, three, four. Josie
0: and
1: the Podcats. Howdy, my name is Maria Lewis, and I'm the host of Josie and the Podcats, a six-part limited podcast series about the 2001 cult classic Josie and the Pussycat.
0: And I'm producer Blake Howard and welcome to another very special bonus episode of Josie and the Podcats.
1: It's the bonus Jonas and we're talking fashion. Specifically, we're talking about the fashion of Josie and the Pussycats, which given this movie was shot in 2000 and came out in 2001, features so many of those iconic and kind of shameful trends as we moved from the 90s into the noughties.
0: But first, in case you somehow tripped on your platform flip-flops into this episode of Josie and the podcast, we have a whole bunch of other apps you may find helpful to revisit, like our debut app, History, which is all about the unlikely path Josie and the Pussycats took as an Archie comic spin-off property. There's a World War II romance, the civil rights movement in America in the 60s, robots in space, basically a lot of stuff you don't want to miss out on, and an accompanying bonus episode about how Archie broke the comics code. Our second episode, Development, looked at how writer-director duo, Deb Kaplan and Harry Alfont, got approached to direct Josie and the Pussycats movie off the back of their debut, Can't Hardly Wait. Maria spoke to them in LA along with Josie herself, Rachel Lee Cook. You can hit pause on this and go back and listen to those episodes, or, you know, not.
1: Yeah. And I guess this bonus episode can be listened to by itself, like just as a breakout, because talking about low rise jeans isn't essential to the story of Jesse and the Pussycats movie, but it's also so essential, you know, like, like, do you remember what you're wearing in 2001? <laughs>
0: um, I feel like I was... Really trying to make dusters happen on the central coast of New South Wales. uh, I had watched far too much Buffy the Vampire Slayer and was admiring Angel. But I do remember a dark time before the Empire, uh, perhaps, where I did have frosted tips around that time. And so I feel like...
1: Big crazy town era.
0: uh, Like, like butterfly, my sugar, my lady, my baby. (laughs) Like, I feel like it was... It was really bad.
1: Look, as somebody with a Buffy tattoo, I really appreciate that you were trying to dress like Angel. That's pretty amazing. Angel
0: transitioning into Spike.
1: Yes. Oh, my God. And you just skipped the Riley stage, which is disappointing to me because he was my my, uh, best boyfriend. Not abusive at all, unlike the others.
0: Listen, I only like my Buffy boyfriend's abusive.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It says more about you than it does about anything else. I mean- I was deep in it I was moving out of my Spice Girls stage which really defined a primary school for me Um, and I just started high school so I was 12 when Josie and the Pussycats came out because it was released in even though it came out like globally I say globally it came out in the US in April and it was released theatrically in Australia in September Mm because that was that remember that fucking dark time (laughs) in Australia six
0: months later minimum we we did not know any better Yeah,
1: you would either not get the movies at all or it would be like oh eight years later (laughs) and then you'd anytime you'd go overseas for stuff and they had a movie that was out you're just like okay I'm just going to see as many movies as I can but anyway so I was grade 8 in high school I was about to turn 13 when *Joseph and the Pussycats came out and I had these like these chunky metallic platforms—they were silver. They looked like um, <laughs> the spaceship from 2001: <laughs> A Space thing, <Odyssey, laughs> which ironically is also the spaceship from Joseph and the Pussycats Gets Out of Space. But I had gotten them from this department store in New Zealand when I'd gone over there to visit family, and I brought them back to Oz, and they were like my coveted prize possession. They would have been at least like six to seven inches in height, oh my which God. was a pretty—it was a pretty amazing scene. But it was a
0: weird time for shoes because it was the first so time I got shoes that were like that didn't have laces and so many people like I got teased off the school bus.
1: But and on. you were also wearing a duster and carrying swords, <laughs> but that's beside the point. No, the
0: dusters were for weeks. But it
1: was also Blade had dropped around that time. Yeah. And so that Blade was all about the duster as well. So Big Duster Energy. No, dust I was with the glasses.
0: Yeah, I had, I and had Matrix. 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 Yeah, Matrix Equilibrium.
1: Blade. But so I was also about the like the thick glitter under eyeliner. Oh so it wasn't God. about the like eyeliner on the top of your lids or like a cat eye or anything. It was about having thick silver glitter eyeliner that I got from Crazy Clarks that was under my eye, like at least in. Inch thick. It was about butterfly clips, lace up jeans that had no back pockets, like oh all these God. classic lace up, jeans. lace up jeans, all these classic early 2000 trends that you could think of, and that I was wearing all of them at once, <laughs> which is so <laughs> upsetting. But they're all things that pop up in Josie and the Pussycats, which is very interesting to watch visually. The best things in life are free, but you can keep them. So Y2K coming and going is important to the fashion journey of Josie and the Pussycats because it influences a lot of what we see on screen. A lot of what I was wearing, as mentioned, not what Blake was wearing. And namely that is metallics because before Josie, Melody and Valerie get brought into the world of rock pop superstars, they're considered untrendy in their town of Riverdale where the bulk of the population is being brainwashed to adhere to trends, which is represented visually by having everyone wear one colour. That kind of starts as pink, it moves to blue, before collectively mass-shifting to another shade, like orange. Look, Skanky had a rock show and nobody came. Hey, did you guys all coordinate before you left the house or are you wearing the same thing by accident? Um, At least we're not wearing stupid bunny ears. (laughs) They're not bunny, they're leopard. And they're not stupid, they're special. We're special. Those who are the sheep following the brainwashing are supposed to represent the norm and they dress like characters in a big hit from the same studio just a few years back, American Pie. That movie came out in 1999 and Lisa Evans was the costume designer on that. In fact she was the go-to Universal girl and worked on a few other teen-centric properties at the time like Whatever It Takes. That's a little bit underseen so I'm not sure if you've caught that one before. It's not super great to revisit but the fashion is really indicative of a lot of movies that fit within that genre and all of the characters in those movies represented that norm and I don't necessarily think it's a coincidence. The majority of Riverdale end up looking like they could fit into a version of American Pie. Not an accident. (laughs) To demonstrate that Josie and the Pussycats are individuals, they look different from everyone else in the town. And that's because their costumes lean harder into that post-grunge era, like stylish burnouts, if you will. So that's a that's a darker palette. That's blacks, warm browns, maroons, greys, chunky foils in their hair. Things were studs. Everything had studs. Chokers, chains hanging from like whatever you could attach them to. <laughs> Tassels, fishnets, leather, <laughs> denim, velvet, boots. Boots with thick heels. Doc Martens were really having a moment sheer tops with black bras underneath that pops up a lot strong strong it's a strong look it's a statement it's so much of a look and that's what the girls wear at the start of the movie before they're quote unquote discovered and it's a look not dissimilar to the costumes worn in another movie that came out in 2001 six months after josie the very first and very important fast and furious i live my life a quarter mile at a time Nothing else matters, not the mortgage, not the store,
0: not my team and all their bullshit. For those 10 seconds or less, I'm free.
1: So when Josie and the Pussycats get discovered by Ellen Cummings' Wyatt, when they making bunnies make it they get a makeover montage which is a beloved movie trope for a reason it's fun and it works takes you from point a to point b very quickly and when they emerge they're a shiny version of all the hottest trends at that specific moment for hair, that means intense layers. I love la Veronica Mars season one, uh, twists and butterfly clips, tiny tiaras, which are so pointless, but were like so aggressively <laughs> popular, hair glitter, small piggy tails, any kind of bejeweled accessory that can nestle amongst your follicles. Makeup, that's an extension of the post Y2K metallics. So shimmer, baby. We want a shimmer lip, shimmer highlighter on your cheekbones and eyebrow. Thin eyebrows while we're at it. Uh, I mean, your happiness has to be plucked away hair by hair. <laughs> that's basically how that works.
0: There was at least three girls I went to school with had no eyebrows, they just drew them on. They just yeah. cut out the hair, yeah. man.
1: That was actually quite <laughs> popular. If you watch Rachel Vice in The Mummy, which was like a very popular movie around this time period as well. It's so upsetting and kind of a hate crime, <laughs> what they do to her eyebrows, <laughs> because God. they basically pluck them away entirely, except for one tiny little landing strip above each eyeball. It's like horrific. Anyway. You swear. Every damn day. No, I didn't mean that. I huh? know what you meant. It was a very big, like early 2000s trend. I believe they
0: call that the La and eyebrow.
1: Gross. That's horrible. Diamantes at the edge of your eye, glitter eyeshadow or a shimmer at the very least, and a glossy lip gloss and shimmer overpowered a bold color in those days it was all about the gloss and shimmer as for the clothing oh here we go spaghetti straps boob tubes so many boob tubes wow. asymmetrical everything dresses skirts tops bandana tops low-rise pants with a flare fucking everything flared <laughs> and what blake referred to while we were re-watching josie the pussycats again the other day mm-hmm. Uh, you know those tops with the thing around your neck, that thingy thing <laughs> around your neck. Listen, <laughs> that thingy thing.
0: I'm not quite an aficionado when it comes to tops, or mm. uh, mm. fashion, mm. just in general.
1: Your duster says otherwise. My, but, all right. <laughs> my
0: duster and frosted tips would say otherwise, but what are they called? Halter. Tops? Halter tops. <laughs> it's Thank a halter top,
1: and. That's what he means. That's what he didn't say, but that's what it was. And we have soft halters in the movie, which are those that have like bikini straps so you can tie them. Uh, we have hard halters, which are the ones that have like a metallic hoop, or sometimes a bamboo hoop or something that's solid and that secures the garment in place around your neck. But the biggest trend for the girls of Josie and the Pussycats specifically, and a big 2000 trend was this, tonal dressing. Now, you might not know what that means off the top of your head, but you'll definitely know what it means when you see it. In fact, one of the key drivers of this trend was a little band by the name of Destiny's Child. Child Say my name, say my name if no one is around you Say, baby, I love you If you ain't running game Say my name, say my name if You acting kind of shady Ain't calling me baby Why the sudden change? Say my name, say my name say name say my name you kind of shady ain't me baby say my, name. say my name was one of the biggest hits of the year 2000 and the accompanying video was tonal dressing manifested with each of the different band members dressed in colors that matched a set in the same shade before the physical sets moved and they were displaced into another palette. But outside of the video, Destiny's Child were famous for tonal dressing on basically every red carpet they walked. Largely thanks to the styling of Beyonce's mother, Tina Knowles, especially when Destiny's Child cemented themselves as a trio with Kelly and Michelle. I mean, there are endless pictures. If you Google this, Destiny's Child red carpet, there are so many pictures of the three of them wearing versions of outfits that are identical or very similar to identical even if it's not color wise it might be the style and this was actually kind of unusual for the period especially when you look at the most successful girl group in the world at that time which was the Spice Girls you know from their names baby scary sporty posh ginger to the way they were styled the whole intention was to set each Spice Girl apart from the other. Whereas Destiny's Child's Tonal Dressing, whether that was all camouflage design or all purple, for instance, that was intended to show you, okay, yes, we're all individuals, but, but we're collectively together as a group. As a girl group, they were presenting this united front, and you can see the influence of Destiny's Child's tonal dressing later when Vanity Fair has this thing called the Hollywood issue. A lot of people know it. It's one of it, maybe if you don't buy Vanity Fair, that's the one issue you would buy each year. It usually has a collection of stars that are considered very hot at that moment. And after Josie and the Pussycats came out a few years later in 2003, they did a Hollywood issue that was the teen issue. And everybody on that cover, they're like, collect every teen in Hollywood with a net. Every girl team, is, everybody's on there. The Olsen twins, Hilary Duff, like, everyone's on there. Mandy Moore. Um, they have them tonal dressing in collective shades of like pastel purple and pastel pink and uh if you know somebody who's hearing impaired uh we have written versions of this episode complete with pics and so we're putting all the pics of the stuff that we're referring to in that written version as well and the link to that is in our show notes
0: along with those pics there's definitely a pic of justin timberlake and britney spears in there matching denim bandanas Yuck, um, i'm talk not including t- that eternal t- we don't talk I, about justin timberlake i on this want it in there no. In no. principle, it's a hate crime. In fact, he's not only- a hate
1: crime. <laughs> Hashtag Janet Jackson, never forget.
0: <laughs> in fact, not just this episode, but written versions of every single episode of Josie and the Podcats and our bonus episodes are available on graffiti with punctuation.com under the Josie and the Podcats tab. And now we'll be back in one minute after this message from our sponsors
1: netherworld is a bar diner and arcade in fortitude valley brisbane full of vintage arcades pinball machines board games diverse grub including a huge vegan menu and damn good drinks, if I say so myself. I have drunk there many a time. They specialize in craft beers from across Australia as well. It's a bit of a mutation of pop culture, a pub, monsters and gaming. In these, the strangest of times, Netherworld is closed until the world has escaped from the upside down. But until then, there's plenty of monstrous merch online at netherworld Arcade, which is netherworld kcom including shirts enamel pins and more which is a really great way to support an awesome venue run by awesome people keep updated via netherworld's facebook or instagram pages for when the hellmouth opens up and its denizens can return to where they belong all link to netherworld stuff is in our show notes so back on tonal dressing, when the girls are the girls of Josie and the Pussycats and backed by this big evil conglomerate, they're all tonal dressing. They're either all in varying leopard print or all in versions of a pastel metallic or all in versions of something that is in the, like, the pink to purple palette, like that Vanity Fair cover we spoke about. They're either all in shimmer like the pretend to be nice video, which also has them washing a car in a polished version of their earlier grunge aesthetic. It's something that Lisa Evans and the Josie and the Pussycats movie executes damn near flawlessly, which is a shame because when the movie opens in April of 2001, it flops. So not as many people see this flawless execution as they should have, and as Universal hoped, obviously. But the fashion from the film and the messaging communicated through the fashion goes on to inspire some other key properties, like Legally Blonde that drops in October of 2001 and looks like the stylistic ying to Josie and the Pussycats Yang. Oh,
0: hi. My name is Elle Woods.
1: And for my admissions essay, I'm going to tell all of you at Harvard why I'm going to make an amazing lawyer. As president of my sorority, I'm skilled at commanding the attention of a room and discussing very important issues. It has come to my attention that the maintenance staff is switching our toilet paper from Charmin to generic.
0: All those opposed to chafing, please say I.
1: Then Lisa Evans, with her honed tonal dressing skills and having just worked on a comic and cartoon to live action property, jumps on board Scooby-Doo in 2002 and its sequel in 2004 as the costume designer. And the visual through line there is really crisp and clear, especially through what Velma and Daphne wear. In this bonus set, we've mainly focused on the Josie band as a whole and the wider visual language of the extras and Riverdale Township. But just to touch on Parker Posey's character of Fiona for a minute, She's a cartoon Bond villain for all intents and purposes, right? So when Josie, Melody, and Valerie represent the trends of the era, they represent the accessible trends. Now, these are all things that you could get and access at your local Forever 21 and Josie and the Pussycats, like clothing lines at Supre for local listeners. Fiona's inaccessible. So she represents a hyper-realized version of all the couture trends of the period. And her costuming is designed to poke fun at that. Even her open plan office of henchmen and henchwomen scheming alongside her make fun of that. Have a listen. We decide everything from what clothes are in style to what slang is in vogue. Feathered tank tops matching pants kind of a buffy meets chicken run. Feathers are the new
0: rhinestones. The new word for cool will be jerkin. As in dude, that's jerkin. Ooh, that's dirty.
1: Fiona is an OTT parody of runway trends from that minute making her one of the funnest characters to cosplay from the movie and one of Parker Posey's most enduring oddballs visually. At the 2019 BT Awards Doja Cat arrives on the blue carpet in an outfit that's more than a wink to the film and the character of Fiona. It's basically a full-on shout out. And yes, okay, her name is Doja Cat, so there's plenty of reason for cat imagery in there, such as the meow meow glasses, which I really want. But the cat ears she wears are almost identical to the cat ear headbands manufactured in the final act of Josie and the Pussycats. She wears a feather and wire contraption exactly like Fiona's and a gown that matches. Josie and the Pussycats' fashion legacy well and truly lives on.
0: coming up on the next episode of josie and the Podcats production Josie and the Pussycats has been greenlit. Filming is set to get started across the border in Canada. And the Pussycats are locked in with Rachel Lee Cook, Tara Reid, Rosario Dawson as the central trio. But first, the girls are off to Bandcamp.
1: Bandcamp! Be sure to subscribe to this show so you're the first to know about all the upcoming episodes and the bonus ones. jour means chuck us a rating and review to help other people find the show as well. This episode of Josie and the Podcats was researched, written and presented by me, Maria Lewis. And
0: produced by me, Blake Howard. Our podcast artwork was done by the talented Amy Reed, who you can find on Instagram at at atai.me.me or via email at amy.reed0310 at gmail.com. And our jerkin theme is courtesy of Bossy Love's Amanda Wilkinson and Edwin Organ. And Bossy Love's new album, Me Plus You, is out.
1: Until next time, who's a rock star? Josie and the
0: podcast.